welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love and compassion. We're so happy that you've joined us again. I'm Caroline Heim, and this is podcast five in the series, Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts. For everyone wanting to improve their thought life and make their mind a much, 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 much better place. So today it's, what's the story with my thoughts? If you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others and catch us on our YouTube live stream, Late Night Lies, every Thursday night. In these uncertain times, please keep your thoughts useful and reach out to others. Here's Dr. Christian Heim. Yes, hello, Dr. Christian Heim here, and we're close to reaching the halfway point in this series looking at overcoming useless thoughts. You're looking for the methods that may suit you. All of them will help you. I use them all myself, and I have used them with people in my clinical practice. Let's do a little recap. Podcast one and two looked at thoughts themselves and your brain. So in other words, the context. Podcast three looked at thinking about your thoughts. It was based on cognitive therapy. Podcast four looked at what you can do about your thoughts. It's based on behavioral therapy. This podcast will be very practical. It will also be for people who like a bit of a creative approach because it involves writing stories about you, your life, and your thoughts. It's based on narrative therapy. This method will use the knack of noticing your thoughts, but a lot of working with your thoughts, writing them down. Noticing your thoughts makes you aware of what's going on. Working with your thoughts by writing it down captures them. It takes them prisoner. You start to see them as separate from you and you can work on them, dissect them, scrutinize them, and you can creatively shape them into the story that you want. This is empowering. It puts you in control of your thoughts. It's about the story of your thoughts and it's based on narrative therapy, which I happen to love a lot. So let's get into it. What's the story with my thoughts? Let's start off with the theory of narrative therapy before applying it to overcoming useless thoughts. I first came into contact with narrative therapy in a profound way. It was part of my work when I was working with people suffering from a merciless psychiatric disorder called anorexia nervosa. It's an eating disorder and it has a very high mortality rate. So it's very important to be able to treat. And what was good about narrative therapy was that the writing stories was able to separate the person from the problem. And this is the key element. The problem is the problem. The person is not the problem. And thank you to Michael White and David Epstein for this insight. For you working on your thoughts, remember that your thoughts are the problem. You are not the problem. What a relief. You're okay. Because too often we allow our thoughts to overpower us. And so we start to feel like a problem, but you are not the problem. Your thoughts are the problem. And a narrative approach by writing stories puts you in control. You can creatively shape your thoughts, just like a novelist or a screenplay writer. You get to make up the characters. You get to see what they do and what they think and experience, whatever you want. They are your creations and they are separate from you. So we're going to do this with thoughts. But first, I'll talk a little bit about the people who battle anorexia nervosa and their journey with narrative therapy. In narrative therapy, 
people who are suffering from anorexia nervosa begin by externalizing their illness. It gets it out of their head to make it separate from them. So you use a name to give the illness. Because the illness is anorexia nervosa, some of the names that I know people have given them, and excuse my French, but some of them were called Annie, some of them called their illness Novo, or the enemy, shitface, or Hitler, because it tended to control their life. What I do is I get them to write the story of Annie, or Nervo, and to see how it developed and how horrible it is. This keeps the person separate from the problem. This is the problem story. Then I get them to write their life story, who the person is without the illness. It's a story in which people write about their life experiences, good and bad, their strengths, their values and their skills, and about the people who care about them. And these all become allies in their fight against the problem, the illness, anorexia. Then we go into battle. The person who has the life story, the skills, the strengths, and the people around them go into battle against the illness. Then we write a story of the kind of future that they would prefer. So as a bit of a recap, we name the problem to externalize it. We write the story of the problem. Then we write the life story. The good and bad that has happened, strengths, skills, values, and relationships. Then we write the preferred story, the, sto the story that somebody would like to move towards. Now, of course, battling a problem like anorexia nervosa is much, much more complex than that. But that's the essence of the story writing part of the management. And I'm going to apply these to your problem useless thoughts. There are only four things that you need to remember. Number one, name your useless thoughts. And this will make it external to you, make it separate from you. You may decide on something like Utah from Ut, U-T, useless thoughts. Or you might call them Arthur, because it's like a thoughts, or Thor, the god of thoughts. Or some people prefer names like the old me, my old self, or just simply my useless thoughts. Number two is to write the problem story. Write out the story of your problem thoughts, knowing that they are a problem, not you. When did they start? How did they get to be as bad as they are at the moment? You can write all this down to capture the problem story. Number three is your life story. Write the story of your life to discover your values and skills, the good stuff about you. We tend to concentrate on the bad thing that happened, but there are so many good things that happen to you. There are so many people that are there that are your friends and allies, your family, your friends, your partners, and your values and skills and these good relationships will help you in your war against your useless thoughts. Every choice you made in life is based on a personal value, and everything you have achieved, however modest, will be based on a personal skill. So we will talk a lot about your values and skills. And then number four is writing out your preferred story, the story of the future that you would like to move towards without your useless thoughts. Wouldn't that be great? 
congratulations. You have now the resources, you're equipped, you can do it. You can put your useless thoughts in their rightful place in the preferred story of your life. You will be able to overcome the useless thoughts with the effort. Most of these methods will take about 30 minutes a day for a couple of months. Is it worth it to you? Yes. Let's start off with number one, naming and externalizing your useless thoughts. For this, you're going to use the two core skills. The knack will be used to notice your useless thoughts to become aware of them. And then later we will choose which ones to concentrate. For now, we want to be aware of them so we can articulate them and write it down. That's core skill number two, working with your thoughts, write it down. When you write down your core thoughts, you give them a name. Call them your useless thoughts, whatever you want. Make sure that it's a name so that you can see that they are not you. They are external and separate from you. Number two is to write out the problem story. Once you have your useless thoughts written down and captured, look at them with curiosity and ask yourself, where did that thought come from? Why would I think such a thing? How did this thought grow into the monster that it is at the moment? You can do this with each of your thoughts. So each of your thoughts will have a paragraph or two or three that is the story of that thought in your life and why it exists in your life. Ask yourself the questions, notice that they're separate, see them as problems, then write the story of the problems. What you're already doing is capturing the problem as a prisoner so that you can scrutinize it to redirect it creatively the way that you would like it to be. Number three is writing out your life story. When you write out the story of your life, it will take something like five or 10 pages. It doesn't have to be any more than that. That's already quite a lot. You may never have done this. This actually feels amazing because you get to relive good parts of your life and you get to put into context any regrets or bad experiences that you have had. But it makes you look realistically at the life that you have had. Now, it identifies your strengths, your weaknesses, your values, and your skills. It will also help you to be realistic about your goals in the future. And your life story will already suggest a future direction for you. The difference is you want a future direction without your useless thoughts. So simply write out your life story where you grew up, about your parents, where you went to school, the friends that you had, things that you enjoyed, things that were bad life experiences. Write it all out. Then you write about the values that you have developed. Where do values come from? How did they direct your life? What do you actually value in life? Now, values include integrity, compassion, love, respect, not stealing, not hurting others, honesty, faithfulness, loyalty, adventure, optimism, courage, passion, wisdom, fun, stability, a faith, self-expression, calling your parents weekly, the list is endless. Values were instilled in us as children by our parents, teachers, 
society, religious institutions, the legal system, pop culture, and a whole lot more. As we became adults, we chose our own values more and more. Now here, I want you to make a list of your values, at least your top 20. To find out what your values are, I've given you four questions that will help you in your search for values. The four questions are these. Number one, what motivates me to do well in life? Number two, what qualities do I most admire in myself and in other people? Number three, what do I believe is the right thing for me to do in life? And number four, when do I feel most fulfilled and full of self-respect? So just to recap those, to find out your own values, you need to know what one motivates you to do well, two, what you admire in yourself and in other people, Three, what do you believe is the right thing for you to do? And number four, when do you feel most fulfilled and full of self-respect? Your values will guide you in your preferred story and your future direction for your thoughts. Now remember, these values are based in what you have learned about yourself through writing out your life story, which may take you a few days to do. So, don't gloss over it, it's actually really important. As well as identifying values, we're also going to identify skills. Skills are things that you do well. They may be performance skills like playing a musical instrument, playing basketball, playing the guitar, cooking, but they also may be people skills like making other people feel special, listening well, being a leader, chiming in as a team member, being persuasive or influential, or they could be personal skills like having patience, being able to organize things, or being able to cope well in emergency situations. Then there are word skills, knowledge skills, day-to-day -day skills, and there's a whole lot more. A skill is anything that you do well thanks to a natural talent or practice that you have done. Please remember that this life story of yours is for you. It's not for anybody else to read. So you don't need to be falsely modest or say, I don't have any skills. I don't do anything well. They don't have to be great skills of achievement out there in the world. They can be, as I said, personality things. They can be people skills. They can be word skills, knowledge skills, just day-to-day -day skills. Give yourself credit for what you are good at. You are good at a lot. Whatever age you are at the moment, you got yourself safely to this age. Give yourself some credit for that. Look for the skills that you have. Again, I have four questions to help you find out what your skills are because I want you to make a list of your skills and again, at least the top 10 skills. Here are the four questions. What do other people tell me that I do well? Number two, what do I like about myself? Number three, what have I learnt through a special skill? And number four, when do I act with self-respect, character and perseverance? I'll unpack those just a little bit. The first one was, what do people tell me that I do well? 
People will tell you if you are a good listener, if you make them feel good, if you're a great organizer, if you're a great leader, whatever skills you have, people will tend to point them out to you in some subtle way. Listen to other people. They actually know. Question two was, what do I like in myself? What you like about yourself tends to point towards your skills, right? It doesn't have to be your looks or your strength or whatever. It actually points to skills. Skills is what make us feel good. They make us feel capable. So if you look honestly at what you like about yourself, you actually like that you can make other people feel good, or you actually like that you're good at cooking, or that you're good at serving, or whatever it is that you happen to be good at, including those special skills. But question three relates to the special skills. Now, those of you that have been into sports or are good at certain academic pursuits or are good at chess or card games or are good at a sport, it's not just the skill that's important. It's what you have learned through that skill. For example, you will have learned to practice. You will have learned to delay gratification. You will have learned to put in effort before getting a pleasure payoff. There are all these things you would have uh, learned to organize your time. All of these skills, what you learn through a special skill, are actually more important than the skill themselves. Give yourself credit for those sort of skills. And the fourth, fourth question was, where do I act with self-respect, character, and perseverance? When you are full of self-respect and you feel good about yourself, you are normally acting in an area or doing things that, again, point towards a special skill that you have, a quality that you have that you will be able to use as a resource to battle your useless thoughts. With those four questions in mind, what do people tell me I do well? What do I like in myself? What have I learned through special skills? And when do I act with self-respect, character and perseverance? Make a list of your skills, at least your top 10. Actually try to get to 20. Uh, be honest with yourself and give yourself credit where credit is due. Because we aim to use values and skills as resources in your quest to overcome your useless thoughts. The bottom line is that overcoming useless thoughts is a skill. There will be several methods to do it and you will need to practice them to become proficient in this skill. Once you have this skill of overcoming useless thoughts, you will be able to overcome useless thoughts for the rest of your life. Believe me, that feels good. So that brings me to task number four, your preferred story. This is basically writing the story of the future you would like to have without your useless thoughts. Something like, I would prefer to have useful, peaceful thoughts. Now, writing your preferred future does actually mean, what do you think you're going to do in the future? What does your future look like? Now, this is all speculative. You cannot control so much of the world, as we all know at this stage, but you can control your inner state. What do you want your thought life and your emotional life to look like? If you're somebody that says, I'd prefer to have useful, peaceful thoughts, you will need to write the story of what it feels like to have useful, peaceful thoughts and how you're going to arrive at useful, peaceful thoughts and how your life will look like with useful, peaceful thoughts. 
be curious. Write out how you put some of the ideas that I'm giving you now into practice, how you worked on it daily for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and you captured your thoughts and you are able to overcome your useless thoughts. Let your imagination run wild a little bit. Picture your thought, uh, your thought life in your mind, your future with useful, peaceful thoughts, and then write down what it would feel like. Write down what you see. Write it all down so that you can bring it to mind. Now, I know that you're making up a future. It's all make-believe, but this will all suggest to you actions of how to get there. You might write the story of how you found this podcast and how you listened to it and how you became enthusiastic. I can only hope at that. And then you write down how you worked on it, how you progressed, how you got frustrated because the progress was slow, how you gave up but you got back to it, how you started seeing results, and this will encourage you. Write out about how you discovered your values and how you refined your skills and how these helped you reframe so many of your useless thoughts. Then, how did it feel to you when you made it? When you reached a day when you go, you know what? I don't have as many useless thoughts anymore. Describe the effect that it has on you, your feelings, your life, and the effect on the people around you. Read it all because this make-believe story will suggest a way forward for you. Choose it, do it, live it, and be it. Okay, so that's the narrative approach, the one, two, three, four of narrative therapy as applied to overcoming useless thoughts. The number one was to name your useless thoughts and externalize it. Remember, you are not the problem, your useless thoughts are the problem. Number two was to write out the problem of the useless thoughts. You may need to write a paragraph on each of your useless thoughts to see how it came into being, why you would, you would think such a thing and how it grew into the monster that it is. Then number three was to write your life story. And from this, we gleaned your values and your skills because we are going to use these as resources to direct your preferred future, the future that you want without your useless thoughts. And that, of course, was number four, your preferred future. Writing out a make-believe future going forward, overcoming your useless thoughts, and feeling how good life will feel when you don't have useless thoughts anymore. Having said all of that, I'm going to give you one more technique because things don't happen by magic. You will need to work with your thoughts. And the technique that I want to give you is reframing thoughts. This is actually a CBT technique for anybody who is interested. But once you have externalized the problem, you know the problem story, you know your life story, and you know your preferred future story, you will need to reframe your thoughts. This is what I mean. Once you have your useless thoughts down on paper, you have captured it and you can, re, you can really work on it. Now we're going to reframe them, means seeing them from a different point of view. This helps make them useful. All right, let's look at an example. Here is a really useless thought. The thought is, I'm a lousy, good-for-nothing person. That's a horrible thought, but a lot of people get that thought. Let's not change it, let's just reframe it. Let's say that you, just like every other person on the planet, have done a few things that you're not proud of and one or two things that you're really ashamed of. But let's say that there are a few people, like your mother, 
who see the good in you. Despite this, you feel bad about yourself. Now let's reframe it from your mother's point of view. Here's the thought. I think I'm a lousy, good-for-nothing person. I've done a few things I'm not proud of and ashamed of like billions of others. But my mother sees some good in me, even though I feel bad. This is already what we call a reframe because we're starting to see you from your mother's point of view, not your point of view. This gives you a much bigger picture of you and your useless thought will start to look different without changing things much. You can start to believe the reframe and it becomes part of your preferred future. Your preferred future story can become, you know, I used to think that I was a lousy good for nothing person. But now I see that my mum sees some good in me, so there must be some good in me, and I will live that out. It feels better and it adds to who you actually are as a person. So now, let's say you already get this thought every now and again, I'm a lousy good-for-nothing person, you can already start to reframe it like this. Ah, there's that thought again. I may think I'm a lousy good-for-nothing person, but there's so much in me that's good and worthwhile. My mum knows that. And because you're looking at it from your mother's point of view, it's easy to believe. A much more difficult or radical reframe is this. I may think I'm a lousy person, but I know that there's so much in me that is good and worthwhile. What makes it difficult to see that as a new thought that you can believe is because you don't actually believe that about yourself as yet. You're starting to see it from your point of view. So what we do in a reframe is we see your thought life from your mother's point of view before taking it on for ourselves. And I do want you to use your mother's point of view to overcome useless thoughts because mothers are wonderful. They tend to see the good in us because they saw our innocence before things went differently. So, from a useless thought like I'm a lousy, good-for-nothing person, through a reframe by looking at the thought from your mother's point of view, you then, with time and practice, move towards a thought something like, I used to think that I was a lousy, good-for-nothing person, but I have grown to realize that even I am worthwhile and I contribute to other people's happiness. So that's the reframe using your mother. And I will reiterate that again, just to use a tautology. We start off with the usual useless thought. Then we go from our mother's point of view. Then we start to own our mother's point of view for ourselves. So it goes from, I am a lousy, useless person, to, I may think that I am a lousy, useless person, but my mother sees the good in me. Two, eventually being able to think. I used to think that I was a lousy, good-for-nothing person, but I have grown to realize that even I am worthwhile and contribute to other people's happiness. And eventually, thoughts grow into, even I am worthwhile and contribute to other people's happiness. And to have a thought like that in your mind, rather than the useless one we started off with, is actually bliss. And this is the preferred future story that you would like for yourself. 
This actually takes a lot of conscious work in your mind. Day after day, when that thought comes up, to reframe it in your mind. It's a good technique. You may need to do it 60 or 70 times a day, and it'll only take a few seconds. And that sort of work, seeing things from your mum's point of view, is worthwhile. Just remember to spend a few weeks on staying with your mum's point of view before you start to own her point of view for yourself. Again, I have to tell you, I may make things sound easy here, but it isn't. It's a truckload of worthwhile work, practice and effort. But along the way, you will be rewarded with better feelings. So let me sum up a few things here. We're talking about narrative therapy and a narrative approach is empowering because you get to write down your useless thoughts by working with your thoughts, write it down and it captures them. So rather than, rather than they being ephemeral and swimming around your head and coming and going as they please, you capture them and take them prisoner so that you can work on them, scrutinize them and creatively change them into the thoughts that you would like. They're not only frightening in your head, but when you capture them, they only become little black and white letters to be rearranged, deleted or destroyed in front of you. And they get replaced by your preferred future story. So let's go through it again in a nutshell. You are not the problem. The problem is the problem. And the problem is useless thoughts. So in the four step process, we began by one, naming the problem, externalizing your thoughts with the two core skills, using the knack to notice them and be aware of them, then writing them down to work with your thoughts. And when you've got your thoughts captured, give your useless thoughts a name so you don't make the mistake of saying, my thoughts are me. Right from the very start, we had that core principle that your thoughts are separate from you. So you do that by number one, naming. Number two, writing down the problem story, the story of your problem thoughts. How did they get there? Why would you think such a thing? How did they become the monsters that they are? And then you look at them curiously and you go, wow, that's the story of my useless thoughts because it's separate from you. It's not your story. Three is your life story. Literally what your childhood was like, what the story of your parents were, schooling, friends, good and bad experiences. And we're doing that to get a realistic sense of who we are, but also to know what our values are and what our skills are. Because when we know our values and our skills, we can use them as resources to battle against our useless thoughts. That was number three. Number four is writing out your preferred future story. When you write out your preferred future story, you start to feel good. You start to feel that this is what my life could be like without my useless thoughts. Then I gave you the technique of reframing your thoughts so that they start to move towards your preferred future story. And I gave you the technique of finding a bigger picture about yourself from your mother's point of view. You start off with a useless thought, then you start off going towards what your mother thinks of you, even though you had this useless thought. And then you move towards taking on your mother's belief about you for yourself. That will make it 
easier to live out your preferred story because that's the aim in narrative therapy, to live out your preferred story, to be curious, to know what life would look like and feel like when you have more useless thoughts. Write it out, write out that future, read what you have written, and it will suggest to you an action plan to move you forward. You may have to rewrite your preferred story several times to refine it, but by having a preferred future story and by reframing your thoughts, thanks to your mum, you will start to live out your unique story without your useless thoughts. In the smallest of nutshells, this podcast is about using stories, values, and skills as resources so that you can begin to live out your preferred story, life without useless thoughts. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. That was part five in the podcast series, Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts. What's a story with my thoughts? Know your skills, know your values, then live out your preferred story as much as you can. Remember, if you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others, even your mum. This has been Dr. Caroline and Dr. Christian Heim. We'll see you for part six.